Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. What happened through the pandemic is just a compressed uncertainty. It accelerated change at an abnormal rate. Uh, but there's always a new normal. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. On today's show, we chat with David Meltzer, a three-time international best-selling author, a top 100 business coach, the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital business show, and host of the Top Entrepreneurial Podcast. The hospitality business is a business. Due to the hectic nature of the industry, we tend to forget that and get caught up in the day-to-day grind. But proper business strategy will matter more than great food in the new normal. And David Meltzer is a master strategist. Today, he runs us through the fundamentals of business and leadership. Your foundation consists of the four pillars of truth. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, gratitude is number one. And the reason gratitude is number one is it's the over-encompassing thing to me in all of life. It's the practice of ending fear. It allows you to learn to love everything, even the things that you don't like to do. So what it is, is gratitude allows you to find the light, the love, and the lessons and everything. Pain itself is just an indicator. It's an indicator uh, that you have a lesson to learn, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and financial. You all good? All of these lessons need to be learned, but we need to change our perspective. And gratitude is a practice to say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up will change your life, mentally, physically, spiritually, financially change your life simply by saying thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. You have to get that encompassed and incorporated into your subconscious and part of your DNA, part of your quantum memory. And so gratitude to me is the number one pillar. It gives you perspective. Two, forgiveness. Forgiveness is so important because most human beings waste so much time, emotion, energy, resources, and money because they're not forgiving. My goal in life is to learn how, and I haven't gotten there yet, to forgive the unforgivable, Uh, but most of the time I create resistance of blame, shame. I create resentment, guilt, offense to so many things. If I just would forgive myself, then I could give what I have, which is forgiveness to others. Forgiveness gives us peace. So gratitude, perspective, forgiveness, peace. The third pillar is accountability. The problem with accountability is most people get confused with accountability, liability, uh, and don't understand responsibility. Accountability is much greater and grander than responsibility or liability. Liability and responsibility are under the man-made constructs of laws and statutes and other things and rules. So for example, if someone's sitting at a stop sign and somebody's texting while they're driving and smashes into the back of them, most people go like, how am I accountable? No, no, you're not responsible. There's California DMV laws and other things that will apply. Don't go telling your judge or lawyer that you're accountable. Tell them that they're responsible and liable for your damages, but you are accountable. The bigger thing that you should be asking is, what did I do to attract this into my life? And most importantly, what am I supposed to learn from it? You can see how lessons are intertwined within the three first pillars of gratitude, empathy, forgiveness, accountability, because life is about lessons. 
And these lessons will keep on coming until you learn them. They'll result in pain, which is that indicator that you haven't learned the lesson. We will forget every lesson we've ever learned. And we have the ability to access those lessons at any time, even lessons we haven't learned. And then finally, the fourth, which is most powerful to me, which is effective communication, which is really a pragmatic way of saying inspiration. What do I mean by that? Number one, there's two communications that are necessary to be effective. One is we need to communicate effectively with that which we're connected to, the most powerful source of energy, the most powerful source of light, love, and lessons that exist at all times. Most people try to and think to connect to that type of source. You don't have to. What you should be focusing on is how do I lessen the interference, the corrosion, the voids, the shortages, and obstacles that are between me and that source of light, love, and lessons. The way that we reduce those and, and, and decimate those interferences or void shortages and obstacles is through gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability. If we're able to do that, then we can harness this unbelievable source of lessons and light and love and let it come through us with appreciation, the ability to not only be grateful for it, but to add value, to add our own personal experiential giving and receiving value to that and then give it away through us for others in a better state of lessons, light and love. We're connected to everything and everyone. A tree has no branches. One branch should not ever go to war against another branch. If we can encompass this distribution of energy, this distribution of light, this distribution of lessons, and utilize gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and effective communication, we can live inspired lives, and we can live by my mission, which is to inspire others, to inspire others simply to be happy, to create a collective consciousness of happiness, abundance, living in a world of more than enough of everything for everyone. And there's no better principles to build your foundation so that you can surround yourself with the right people, the right ideas, make a lot of money to help a lot of people, and most importantly, have a lot of fun. I couldn't agree with you more, but, just because I do these things doesn't mean my team will, right? Which is a big concern. And so how do I put together a world-class team? So for me, it's a value-based team. You have to find people that are aligned with those values and then help them with the capabilities. Capabilities are an aggregate of three things. Number one, skills. But you can't just assume people have skills. We have to use a three-tiered scaled perception of skills. So for me, I take the skills that I need for each of the different team uh, players that I have. And so just like on a football team, you know, linebacker has a different skill set than a quarterback and alignment, et cetera. Well, the same thing holds true, especially within a restaurant. I've done and been executive uh, business coach for a lot of huge hospitality groups and restauranteurs. And I've never seen something so analogous to a sports team than a kitchen and a waiting staff. It's just extra, from the door to the back door. It's, it's a team. And so what we have to do is instill, number one, the foundational values so people know how to make quick decisions, but then empower them with the skills by showing them what to do, doing it with them, watching them do it, and then backing off so they can do the same to somebody else. That's what scales any restaurant or any business. So those skills to knowledge, we have to do the same thing with knowledge. Capability are the aggregate of your skills, your knowledge. And then finally, we have to keep a temperature, just like we do personally, on our corporate culture, on our business culture. We must have the desire to be what we must be. And the greatest businesses that exist all have this backbone of desire that as a team, we want to live to our potential. We want to must be what we can be as a team and provide the greatest service 
and, and create and learn to love the light, the lessons, and work together, collaborate together, co-create together. Human beings are the only uh, species that can actually create their own environment. Every mm-hmm. other species just fits in their environment. Obviously, in the restauranteur world and hospitality world, these environments are what we utilize in order to ascertain its values, to monetize. We're monetize, monetizing an experience, an, an environment. And so we need, as a team, to co-collaborate, command, create together this great environment that creates a higher value, a greater experience, which people are willing to pay for. Right on. Can you talk to me about an offensive and defensive mindset and how that applies to hospitality? Yeah, I think it is, you know, in this context of allowance. Uh, I lived the first part of my life in a world of not enough. I was a victim. I had a single mom with six kids. She packed our dinner in a paper bag, talk about hospitality, and then filled up greeting cards at the 7-Eleven on the turnstiles. Uh, And then I moved to a world of just enough. Um, and that world was one where I was buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I was in control. I thought I made everything happen. And that was very, uh, as far as an offensive strategy, right? I could outwork you. It was very productive. And I was very wealthy. Uh, but then I moved to a more allowing state. Uh, where my ferociousness wasn't just to make things happen, not just utilizing the law of Goya, which is get off your ass, uh, but also incorporating the law of attraction. That the more that I utilized the law of Goya, I instead was making room for everything I wanted by, uh, and it's a philanthropic switch for me. I used to give to get, right? I give everything to get. And people would think that was philanthropic and humanitarian, but the problem was even when I uh, volunteered or donated money, it was all with uh, expectation to trade that for acknowledgement or for recognition mm-hmm. or for love or for happiness. But instead, I'm ferocious about receiving and I receive so I can give. I'm not worried about paying my bills. I'm worried about paying everybody else's bills. Right. My vision and empowerment is to empower over a billion people to be happy. Everything comes through me. And this is the major shift in the paradigm and perspective that I have of offensive versus defensive or allowing it to happen. What role has mentorship played in your life? Well, it's the most crucial of all roles uh, for the last 14 years, because the first part of my life, you know, millionaire nine months out of law school, multimillionaire in my 20s, I was Midas. I did everything myself. I didn't need mentorship. uh, And I had to pay and learn those lessons. Now, I have found the easiest and best way to be successful is to find people that sit in the situation that I want to be in. Uh, And I try to get as specific as possible now with that mentorship. So I'll have a mentor for sleep. I'll have a mentor for my relationship with money. I will have a mentor to teach my you know, kids to drive. Whatever it is I want to do, why should I pay the dummy tax? Mm-hmm. The, key, the key, I used to have tell people, look, I'm successful because I ask people how I can be of service of value. You know, I'm always asking how I can be of service of value. I'm successful now because I've learned to be radically humble, not by always asking how I can be of service of value, but I'm radically humble in the respect that I'm not afraid to ask people in person, on the phone, via email, media, radio, print TV, social media, podcasts, et cetera. Hey, do you know anyone that could help me? That's my, my new question that <laughs> everyone on average knows like a thousand people. So if I get off this podcast and don't ask people, hey, do you know someone that could help me to show up to my free trainings on Friday to help me with my mission of making people happy so they make more money, help more people and have more fun. I'm asking on this podcast, please, 
free, 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 come Fridays at 11 a.m. Help me. Do you know anyone that wants to come? Join mm-hmm. me. That's my biggest lesson of mentorship. Right on. Um, I had a bunch of goals prior to the pandemic, and obviously all of those goals have changed. Um, how do we reset and realign our goals with the new normal that now exists? Well, I'm in the philosophy there's always a new normal. And so I've been one who takes the habit of creating uh, a habit of taking inventory of my values, right? There's always uncertainty because you can't tell me what's going to happen tomorrow, can you? If you could, you and I would both be billionaires really quick. Uh, But because we've always lived under there, what happened through the pandemic is just a compressed uncertainty. It accelerated change at an abnormal rate. Uh, But there's always a new normal. I'm actually doing my training this Friday on reinventing reengineering and repurposing yourself, utilizing the philosophy. You've got to take inventory of your values every single day and don't be afraid of being a hypocrite. Meaning no matter what, whether it's the pandemic or the racial strife that we're going through or some other thing that may happen, the stock market market may go up or down. It doesn't matter. Take inventory of your values. Do not worry about being a hypocrite. If people like, Dave, man, you didn't say that a year ago. Hey, you're right, because I learned some lessons. I know more than I know. And guess what I know about myself today? I don't know what I don't know. And I definitely don't know the future. But what I look at is what am I in control of? I'm in control of my mindset. I'm in control of my heart set, what I feel. I'm in control of what I say and what I hear. And I'm also in control of what I do. And so by doing so, I align those with my personal experiential giving and receiving values every day, not being afraid of being a hypocrite and saying, you know what? Tomorrow I might change my mind which is what you're saying. After the pandemic, you changed your mind. Right. People that are resilient can reinvent, repurpose, and re-engineer themselves. They can smile through the struggles, and they can utilize the margins of millionaires that are made during compressed times of uncertainty, like 2008, like 97, 91, like the Great Depression. More millionaires and great companies are made by resilient people during those times than people that are quitters. For sure, man. And And... There's so much fear out there today. Uh, there's especially a lot of fear in the hospitality industry um, with people being afraid to go back to dine-in and all of that. And I, I think building an emotional connection through branding, through social media is going to be critical. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Any tips? Yeah. So number one, the thought on that is you're absolutely right. People bound emotion for logical reasons and fear is always the interference or corrosion between that and the vision that we have. And especially when you're talking about gatherings or more massive gatherings than individual gatherings. Um, and so I think the, the key to it is understanding three components of branding that emotion uh, and so that people feel comfortable. So number one, strength of your signal, right? You want to have credibility in order to effectuate what you're doing. So the credibility could come from relieving any of the reasons that people feel uncomfortable. So, you know, whether you're running six feet apart, uh, you know, 25% inside or you have outside or everyone has a mask or what, I don't know what, what the actual way to do that is according to the business and the spacing and all the variables you have within the dining experience, but it can't be done. Uh, or you may market the strength of your signal to the second component, the spectrum of people that aren't afraid, right? There's millions of people that do not care whether they, anyone has a mask, glove, and they will sit in a, a crowded bar right now and drink. And I, this is America. If that's the way they feel, then market to them. Load up your, your business, you know, just market to the right people. 
have the right hook, have the right story and have the right ask, but know that here's the strength of my signal. I'm putting this message frequently out, right? In a quality manner to this spectrum of people, people that don't and aren't afraid, and then have that clear message, right? Of value of look, this is still quality food, quality. I think there's a huge opportunity because people want to fill a void. They miss what they haven't had for 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And so um, and there is going to be a percentage of people that will not go out to eat for a long time, right? A certain percentage won't go out to eat till post-vaccine. Right. Okay. So, but I promise you within every area, you know, not only to dine in, but there's a bigger audience that will even still dine out. And so, you know, maybe that's your messaging, but remember people bound emotion for logical reasons. So if you can address the way they feel, as you know, people will come back because the way you make them feel, especially in hospitality, because you're selling an experience. Yeah. And there's a big, there's a big enough market. Now we see every single spectrum of it that will show up, especially to fill a restaurant or a bar or, you know, or a club. Have you had any aha moments personally or professionally through the pandemic? That's my favorite question. So yes, my aha moment lends itself to, I don't know what I don't know. So I travel 200 days a year. I speak around the world. I have a podcast, a TV show called Elevator Pitch. I have you know, lived my life with productivity, accessibility, and, and gratitude, telling people to be, you know, activity get paid for. And once again, I'm just a hypocrite because what I learned, the aha moment is that I could be a better husband and a better father. And those two things are much more important than being a better speaker, a better podcaster, a better TV star, a better, you know, well, all these things that I had placed uh, an incongruency upon my values with. And so, you know, being surrounded by the greatest celebrities, athletes, entertainers, billionaires, executives, entrepreneurs, going to the greatest sporting events in the world, award shows and all those, I will tell you my aha moment is if you offered me right now sideline tickets to the Super Bowl, or I get to go to dinner with my family, all four of my kids with my wife, I sell my tickets, no doubt. I'd go to dinner. And that's not what I would have said, right? I would have justified why the Super Bowl would have been. Even if I took one of my kids with me to be there, that experience does not value like it used to to me. My aha moment is what I experience every night with, you know, three teenage daughters and a 10 year old son and one of the best wives in the world, I'd rather go to dinner. I had the, I had the same thing. And, and I guess my next question, my follow-up to that would be in practical application, how have you managed to adjust your work-life balance? What, what boundaries have you set? What are the tools you use to reset? Yeah. You know, for, for me, it was, always I keep my options open. So I had picked and choose the businesses and opportunities that were most synergistic or supplementary to what was doing well now. And so all the adjustments I made were to allow the things like, you know, I have a whole business that's based upon mass gathering events and using that as a backdrop to business. I have a TV show called Elevator Pitch. We couldn't go into studio. So I went ahead, instead of forcing something, Right. I went ahead and said, what do I do that's synergistic and supplementary to? And then what happened, the biggest challenge I had was handling all the business. Right. Because I moved so quickly that people wanted me, you know, it was three or four speaking engagements a day because I already had the systems in place to do an online workshop presentation, mastermind, keynote. 
I already had the backdrops and the software and all of this. I already had built a brand and a relationship and put myself out there. It was literally still is how many of these things can I do in a day uh, and still balance the other things that I want in my life. I worked most of the time. I'm just now because they've opened up here. I'm in my normal studio, but the majority of the stuff I've done over the last 12 weeks is from a closet. <laughs> I, I could totally, totally empathize with that. <laughs> Are you happy? So my whole goal in life is to empower others, to empower others, to be happy. You can't give what you don't have. So everything, my thermometer in my life in the first half of my life was my bank account. I identified and defined myself by my bank account. I got myself importance and value and worth from my bank account. Now my bank account is just an ingredient of mercury in my bigger thermostat of happiness and joy. So I'm not happy 100% of the time. Uh, what makes my life so extraordinary is I'm happier more of the percentage of the time every single day than I've ever been. And so I've just learned and I'm training myself and practicing to find the light, love and lessons and happiness and everything. And like a ferocious Buddha, I stop, drop and roll whenever I'm unhappy, whenever I'm ego-based consciousness. So it went from years of wasteful time, resources and money in, in unhappiness to months, to weeks, to days, to hours. Now I usually range between minutes and moments. That's beautiful. You're also teaching other people how to do it. Can you talk about your weekly classes? Ah, thank you for the softball because that's most important to me is getting people <laughs> to show up for free. Um, and thousands of people now are doing it. It's so cool because I started 20 years ago as a sales training to help people make more money. 14 years ago, I shifted it to my mission of trying to empower people to empower people to be happy. Uh, and now, you know, because of the pandemic, the online side, it used to, I joked around, I said, I used to get, you know, at most 100 people, but I'd buy lunch for everyone. So it used to cost me a lot of money on Fridays to get people to come for free. Now online, I don't have to buy anybody lunch, you know, so it's great. <laughs> Unless like Taco Bell or someone wants to sponsor me and send out free food to everyone or get them to come in, that's cool. Um, but I do free trainings every Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, every once in a while to just by the day if I go on vacation or something. But the main goal is to empower others, to empower others, to be happy. I don't sell anything. It's literally one hour of you know, lecture, teaching, and Q&A for everyone. That's David Meltzer. If you'd like to participate in his free weekly trainings, visit dmeltzer.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.